Hello everyone and welcome to Sagab. This is your host, Badr Amin, author of the book, Happy Life, Summarized Guide and Habits to Self-Development. In this podcast, we aim to find common habits of people in different industries, such as but not limited to sports, investing and business, by identifying their mental and practical habits, routines and recommendations for you as a listener to be able to integrate it to your own life. Thus, the podcast will hopefully help you identify what are the common essentials that contribute significantly and maximize their performance, regardless of the industry. The podcast is divided into two parts, where the guests will talk about the mental practices, self-talk, and who is successful to them, whereas the other part is more into the practical habits and routines integrated into their daily life and the recommendations for the listener. So, please enjoy and take notes. Our guest is Ivana Bruick, co-founder of Storm Cycling Fitness Center and a master instructor. They treat every class as soulful experience connecting the mind, soul, and body to the bike. The Eye of the Storm signature session is a full body workout inclusive of meditation and stretches. Ivana worked in the fitness industry for around four years and her passion led her to co-founding the gym during the pandemic. You can find Ivana on Instagram at Ivana Bruick, which is Ivana underscore Bruick, I-V-A-N-A underscore B-R-U-I-C underscore. And the website www.stormcycling.com, which is www.stormcycling.com. I would like to thank Ivana for being part of this podcast. And without further ado, let's dive in. Ivana, are you ready? Let's do it. So the first couple of questions are intended to prime your mood and to try and find out what are the information that are intentionally consumed and what would you recommend to other people, such as one to three most gifted books, channels or shows that you would recommend? Shows as could be TEDx shows or any other shows, really. Well, I actually have three favorite books that I always sort of refer back to in life. The first one I started reading when I was 11 years old. I actually don't know how they allowed it because it's banned in some countries, but it explores the darker side of the human nature. It's called Lord of the Flies by William Golding. I'm not sure if you've ever read it. Um, it's about a group of young British boys. They are left on a deserted island and they're left to govern themselves, which obviously goes a little bit of pear-shaped. Just explores human nature and how you know, governance is really important. Community is very important. Even religion, having a belief system, something uh, that can take control and manage and organize a group of people is very, very important in our society. Uh, my second favorite book is The Alchemist because I discovered an Arabic word in there called maktub. And it means uh, what is meant for you is meant for you. It is already written. Okay, so what is meant for you? We, we shouldn't sometimes feel that struggle of we're losing something or why didn't we get that certain job or that... Why do we get into that certain university? Because what is meant for you will not escape you. And we must accept everything else along the journey. Also, the good things, the bad things, the good things that we do get, obviously, we celebrate them. But the bad things can be viewed in a different light. Obviously, the universe is steering you on a different pathway. So by Paul, uh, Paolo Coelho, it's another one of my favorite books, The Alchemist. You must read it. It is an absolute classic. The third book that I love to read, it's called The Anatomy of the Spirit. It's by a lady called Carolyn Miss, and it's a very interesting book. You know, there's a lot of things that happen to us in our lives 
and also in the generations previous to that that are interwound in our genes, the way that we behave, the certain environmental aspects that we pick up from our family, our parents, the way that we're raised, the passing on the traumas that our mother and father had in the ways that they raise us or speak to us or react to certain situations. This is all interwoven into your genes. And some people naturally, like, for example, there's a lot of different case studies in the book. Some of them are quite sad, so I don't really want to repeat them on the podcast, but it really opens up your eyes to people and the way that they think and the way that you can actually heal yourself through thinking. So yeah, these three books, I always think back to them in life. They, they left a huge impact to me. And I would say those three pieces of literature are really important reads. All right. Then who is considered successful to you and why? Success is a difficult question for me because we can all measure our success up against other people's success. For example, if I said to you, I want to be a successful mother, okay? I want to focus just on motherhood. I want to raise my kids. I want to put all my focus on them. I want to be at every football match. I want to feed them the best food. If this is my version of success, it is really hard to measure that up against the other person's success. Let me give you the most recent example that I can think of. I watched Richard King, the story of Serena and Venus Williams. Such a beautiful story. I think it's actually my favorite movie that I've ever seen, no exaggeration. And I think I started crying five minutes into it. But it's just so amazing how they stay dedicated and they, they made the plan for their goals as a family. And even when Venus does end up, you know, going to her first pro match, you'll see that there was money placed on the table and the agent is pushing them to take it. It was like $3 million. But they weren't looking at the money. They were just looking at the first step towards the greater things, everything that they've been working for. Imagine their entire lives, even the parents, Rich and King and his wife, they're also... Are former athletes. So they base everything that they did, all the money that they made towards their children, pushing them through, you know? So they made it then like, there's many different forms of success, whether you're an athlete, whether you want to be a mother, whether you want to be a businesswoman, uh, whether you want to be a successful painter. So it's very hard for me to answer that question. I think mostly I relate to athletes, myself, having a sporting business and also being a former athlete. I used to run track in Australia. I ran with Olympic torch even in 2000. My success is measured on making people feel good and making a strong brand and a strong product. It is not really measured on money. So it's obviously a business. It is there. And obviously we need money to survive and make it grow. But actually that's not what I measure. I don't look at the books first. I look at whether I make the people happy or give them back to the community or whether these women, this group of women and men have grown uh, in an athletic way, whether they become stronger, fitter, with more confidence. That is my version of success. But when I look at someone for, as an example, I would have to use that example because I've just watched the movie and it really strikes me as almost an example in my head right now. It's amazing what their father did for them. I think he's, he's successful. Yes. What is an advice you remind yourself with and why? Okay, so maybe you've gathered from my voice because I'm a very hyperactive person. I've often been told to slow down. And it's a funny thing because as a child, I used to watch my mother and she would not sit down. She'd always find something to do, whether it was work, I don't know, going somewhere and doing something always. So the best advice that I could give myself would be to slow down because I'm really trying to adopt this idea of slowing down and taking rest is also a measure of moving forward, okay? Because you need to sort of recharge your own batteries before you can move forward, right? But sometimes I want to do everything. So I'm working seven days a week. So I have to remind myself to slow down and remind myself that I'm writing my own version of my book. So this is my advice to myself, that my slowing down one or two days of the week is also part of my progress. So you have 
went through the storm cycling and you have been into the the athlete business, let's say, or you've been an instructor for, I think, four years, correct? Correct. So what helped you identify your purpose and what elevated you from becoming from a master coach or a head coach up to creating the storm cycling and creating as a co-founder the fitness center? Okay, so... I previously had a business in distribution. It was called Oz Style Distribution. Mm-hmm. And it was during the drought of the Australian fashion scene. So in Australia, we never used to have any high street stores. There was no H&M. There was no Topshop. There was no Zara. We literally lived in our own world with a lot of homegrown designers. So that was back in 2010, 11, 12. Um, had a fashion business called Oz Style Distribution. Anyway, I ended up closing that down. I, didn't, I felt that fashion really wasn't the thing for me. Um, All that paperwork, the corporate side of things, none of that. So I took a little break and I got uh, back into fitness because obviously when I was younger, I was also an athlete. And I found fitness really was my escape, my mental escape from, you know, my phone, my laptop, my everything. And with fitness, as with education or anything that you learn for yourself, any sort of art or craft that you take up, once you have that skill set, no one can take it away from you. So it's never down to a business environment or a corporate environment where you have external factors, other people's decisions, budgets, the economy. You get none of that in sport. What you put in is exactly what you get out of it. Okay, so what you put into your clients as a coach, you know, I saw them growing. I saw them becoming more confident. When you think you've had an, a mediocre class, you would receive messages of appreciation from people. You know, things like you didn't realize how much you helped me today. I'm having a tough time at home. Or, you know, I've got such and such going off. Or I wasn't feeling confident in myself. But because of those few words that you gave me, I I grew in confidence. So I finally found something that gave me a sense of purpose. You know, in this life, if you can do one thing and that is to help someone else, it gives you a great sense of purpose, of existence. And I didn't find that in corporate world or in the fashion world, to be very honest, you know. I found that in fitness and in health and helping people and inspiring them to better themselves. Nice. Okay. So how thoughts, self-talk and past experiences are shaping your perception? I know you have touched upon that previously. And do you revisit these thoughts in any category? So I always have this saying, don't go into the past because you don't live there anymore. Whatever decisions you made in the past, you made decisions best due to the circumstances you had around you, the learning that you'd made up until that point and the tools that you had, right? So in terms of looking back, the only time I look back is to see the progress that I've made, okay? I didn't revisit that past too much. I see the progress that I've made. Uh, Sometimes I, I look back and I go, I don't know how I got there, but I managed to do it. You need to just stay focused on your goals. You can take the past learning that you've adapted to, but all you have really is the now better. You have the now you don't, you don't worry too much about the future, right? Because it hasn't happened yet. And we have a saying that says, you'll cross the bridge when you get to it. That means a lot of the time we spend time worrying and planning and, and trying to execute things for the future that might be, but really we, we lose the now. Like if I tell you, think about your favorite childhood memory. You're going to remember the clothes that you wore, the ice cream that you ate, maybe the smell of your mother's perfume. You're going to remember the colors, your favorite book, because you're focused on the now. Right. When you had a fight with a child in the playground, you made up straight away because there was no ego. Okay. So what I say to you is I don't really look at the past too much. I don't worry about too much about the future. I have today to worry about. Okay. Not even to worry, to plan for. We plan for it. Okay. And we cut it down. 
This is all I do. If I'm going to look in the past, yeah, I see how far I've come, the progress that we've made, maybe the few times that we didn't know we, how we would get to here, but we made it anyway. I focus on the today, staying present, trying to make the memories of today. If you look at the date right now, you know you're not going to get this date back ever again. So don't worry about the past. Don't worry too much about the future. Just do the best that you can for the today planning, okay? And hopefully give you the right pathway in the future. All right. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. What thoughts dominate your mind on life? Do you say to yourself, life is hard or life is easy? And I don't mean that life is hard while you're cycling or in, you're in a session, yeah? I mean, in general. <laughs> life should be difficult and life should also be easy. We need to experience, like, what sort of life will you, you be experiencing if it, everything's given to you on a silver platter? Mm. I accept the difficult days, I accept the good days with an open arm. What you're really meaning to ask me is how do I perceive these days, right? When I have difficult days, I treat them as visitors. As human beings, we experience sadness, happiness, betrayal, all right, angst, panic, anger, whatever. These are all ranges of emotions, right? So you treat your emotions as visitors. Some days you have bad days. You welcome them with open eyes. You're going to say, what is this day teaching me? What lessons can I take away? And also, you know what? It is a bad day. Maybe it's a bad month. Maybe it's a bad year, but it doesn't mean that you have a bad life. I look at it as a, of a sense point going, oh, poor me. I'm just going to sit back and, and give up. It's okay. All right. If you need to take a little bit of time out because you've had a bad time, that's fine. Remove yourself from the situation. Do something that makes you feel better and get back on the pony. We don't have time to sulk here. We don't stay in that position. But we welcome your sad days as we would welcome the good days. Yeah, it makes you a better person actually to experience all walks of life. Hmm. With what thoughts do you start an endeavor, job, or task? If it helps, is there any questions you ask yourself to assess the endeavor? So I would say that I'm, I'm a very dreamy person. You know, I'm a very creative person, uh, but I'm also a realist. And I'm a realist because I've been through tough times. So when I analyze a situation, I look at the worst case scenario and the best case scenario. I, I look at things and I really assess them. Firstly, like I assess the risk. Then after I think that it's an okay idea, I will attach my creativity to it. Secondly, a project for me needs to make fundamental sense. You, the first things you would ask yourself, is there a demand for the product or the surface? Second thing you would ask, is the product or the service a saturated offering? And if the answer is yes, then what sets your skill set apart or your USB, your unique selling point, apart from your competitors in the area, all right? The third thing I would ask myself, once we get that, how do I scale this idea? Because nobody wants to stagnate in life, right? Yes, great, you've accomplished it, but what next? What are the next? How are you going to adapt your service or your product? How are you going to grow it? How are you going to scale it? Yeah, this is what I look at. So before attaching myself to any product or service, uh, firstly, I will tell you that I commit. When I commit, I will literally work seven days a week to make that idea happen if I believe it is a good idea, okay? And the third thing that you got to, sorry, not even third, like the seventh thing you've got to consider now, like I, I hate to bring up the fact that we went through a pandemic, but we did, which means that anything in this world is possible, right? All businesses were shut down. People were out of work. So now I think it's really important to not see not see what's in front of you, but to think 10 steps ahead, to think, okay, anything could happen. What happens if my business is shut down? There's a lot of different things that can happen. What happens if, um, I don't know, one of the partners decides to sell or if I'm not here anymore, for example, something could happen. Okay, how will this business carry on? What are the next steps in plan? 
You've got to make sure that you have good relationships also with your suppliers, your landlords. You've got to analyze your contracts. Okay, if the pandemic has taught us anything, it's taught us how to forward plan and how to be a little bit more humble in our thinking. I think it is good to have a competitive advantage in what you specialize in, but don't like be wearing yourself too thin. Know what you're good at. Focus on that. Focus on that one thing and become great at it. That's my advice. And by the way, just when, when I say become great at it, we have a saying at Storm and I embed it in the instructors when we train them. There is no such thing as perfect. The minute that you think you're perfect, you become lax in whatever you're doing. The minute you become lax, you fall behind. So what we do is we always aim for excellence. That means we always, we know that we're not perfect. We know that we may become lax in certain areas. We focus on the things that maybe aren't our strong points and we continually work on that. You need to keep training. That's it. There's no like back or easy bench, you know, to take. Um, Since you are a spiritual person, do you practice prayer and or meditation or visualization that helps you in achieving goals? Do you have mental practices to prime and equip you for work, financials, and other important areas in your life? Yes, absolutely. Firstly, as I mentioned to you before, I am a spiritual person and I respect a lot of different religions. I play the Quran for two hours a day in the storm. That's part of our SOPs because I, I want to make sure that the energy in that space is as cleansed as possible. What is SOP? SOP is a standard operating procedure that you implement in every business. It's a checklist that your staff go by. It's actually on our checklist. Uh, In terms of meditation, in terms of prayer, yes, I pray. I pray. uh, I'm a Roman Catholic, so I pray in Croatian. All the prayers that I was taught when I was young, I will do other things. I have Palo Santo, which is a South American. It's like sage. So I will cleanse the house with Palo Santo, which gets rid of negative energy and leaves the good energy. Whereas opposed to sage, it cleanses all energies and leaves the space clean. I meditate. So with my meditations, what I try to do is a process called the process of elimination. Process of elimination is uh, seeing yourself in a white room, nice light breeze, no walls, no floors, no ceilings. I practice this meditation in class. Understanding that you are actually the center of your universe, not to have any distractions come into your space, whether that's objects, situations, people that do not serve your greater purpose. And practicing just being alone in that space, understanding that all the tools are already within you. This is a form of meditation that I practice. And I also, in terms of real life elimination, I try to eliminate, minimize my friendship circles. I live a very simple life. I don't like a lot of things. So <laughs> when I was in fashion, my wardrobe was extensive. Now, since I broke, you know, I've been practicing this form of elimination, things that don't serve me purpose extra material things that I don't need in my life, I get rid of them. Even my apartment is white, wood, and trees. (laughs) I like simplicity, even in myself. So this is all part of my purpose, a cleansing, my belief system. I I am a spiritual person. I go on my gut instinct a lot. My gut instinct has never failed me, not even in business. I know that might sound crazy to some people, but your gut instinct is a sixth sense that's not defined. It's always been there. And I think that many people agree with me They've gone against it. God instinct has proven them right, whether it's two months down the line, whether it's two years down the line, gone, okay, I wasn't feeling good about that situation. I should have listened to myself. So, yeah, my spirituality is quite vast. Okay, and would you use, let's say, anything specific 
to help you in achieving goals or to help you relax and then start going or something that would help? Silence. Okay. Pure silence. And that is through meditation? That's through meditation, just being still. Because you've got to remember what I explained to you. My opposite is going really fast in through life. I will fly. I will literally, you'll see me running. I think I twisted my ankle running. I never, I've never done any damage on the actual bike itself. I like to do things very quickly. So the opposite for me is like to teach myself to be still. So one of my favorite things to do on a Friday is just literally to lay on the sofa, be still, no music, no nothing, no phones, no sound at all, just to be still. I have a pet rabbit. Her name is Bella. And the reason why I chose her as a pet, firstly, by the way, rabbits are very intelligent animals, extremely. Secondly, they don't make any noise. Mm. They don't meow, they don't bark. They are just still with you. That is it. So I like my stillness. It helps me think, you know, my downtime, my creativity comes from just being still and not listening to any music, believe it or not. It's opposite to some people. It's opposite to my business partner. She likes music. I like silence. (laughs) Okay. Here's a follow-up question. What repeated tasks or steps you intentionally do as a ritual routine and method to cultivate focus, productivity, and goal manifestation? Okay. Well, I like to write down a checklist, which just sounds quite basic, doesn't it? <laughs> I don't, I'm not the sort of person that leaves sticky notes around the house or, you know, you can do it today on your mirror notes. Quite, There's no words or anything in my house like this. What I like to do, you know, I have a lot of people coming to me and go, I have a dream to do this. It's my goal to do this. I'm like, that's great. So what are you doing about it? You know, we can talk about it. We can talk about it forever. But what you need to start doing is getting a little notebook And I think it's always better to physically write things down because you feel like you're putting the effort into them. You write the seven things that you want to accomplish for the day. Seven, you stop at seven. Why? Because actually the human mind cannot do more than seven in one day without feeling overwhelmed. So your tasks could be, I don't know, they could be quitting your job. They could be as big as that. They could be, you know, sending that person an email. Uh, It could be just tidying up your office. Usually one to seven, seven is the last thing that you want to do. So you tackle that list backwards, go from seven to one. Can you imagine there are 365 days in the year? If we just started ticking off that list, how much you can accomplish? Okay, you're working towards your dreams, your goals, but you've got to have the daily checklist into place. Otherwise, you're not going to be proactive in that. That's what I do. I write down my checklist every day and I tick it off. And if I don't tick it off, I roll that little project off the next day. It's going to, and it's going to be done by the week. This is how I get through it. And that's, that basically makes you focused and helps you achieve the tasks and the goals, yeah? Of course, because I hold myself accountable. Mm. If I haven't picked that list off, what have I done for the, what have I done today? Mm. You know, we all have 24 hours in the day, super successful. Here we talk about the word success again. They have the same amount of hours as we do in the day. You've just got to keep working towards your goals. And it's the small things that count as well. Right. Do you have environmental cues to prime you for performance and productivity? Do you have written statements or images to remind you why you're doing certain things? And or do you design and go to a place that boosts your performance? I know that you do the checklist, but would you have these things as well? So I like to follow motivational accounts on Instagram. Some of my favorite are Grant Cardone, okay? Mindset therapy. Uh, And then I have spiritual mentors like Aaron Dalty. He talks about energetic forces and how to work your energetic force. And he talks about resilience and resistance in terms of, again, I like simplicity and cleanliness. So no, I do not stick anything on the wall or look for any 
sort of signage around the house or anything that might push me, no sticky notes, nothing like that. Even my laptop is clean. But when I decide to focus on something, I will go to the mentors that I look up to and I will listen to what they have to say and study them, you know? What beliefs, habits, and behaviors adopted recently improved your life greatly? I would say uh, letting go of expectations in people. So sometimes we have expectations in people, right? Whether it's a new friendship, uh, it could be a business relationship, it could be a meeting that you've had and the person gets you really excited, but they don't go through with what they've said. It could be a relationship, for example. Don't put expectations on people in situations. Everybody has the right to change their minds, including us. We may have committed to something and then six months later, we decide actually we're not enjoying this job or this role or this project or this commitment in this organization. If something makes you unhappy, you have the right to change their mind. So we have to accept this in people. So the sooner that you let go of expectations in people and your attachments to a certain idea, you let go of the resistance that you built when you're unhappy. So I would say that letting go of expectations and attachments are the greatest things that I've learned. All right. So when challenges, fears, and failures hit, what steps are taken? If it helps, what questions do you ask yourself? So what I usually do is I uh, give myself time to process the failure or the rejection. I give myself that little bit of time out. You know, I, I go to the side, I lick my wounds. <laughs> I give my wounds time to repair. And I'm like, okay, great. Well, what do you got next? That is it. You got to get yourself up. As I say to, to my clients, get yourself back up on that pony and keep going. It is okay. Brush it off. It's in the past. You don't live there anymore. You can't change anything. You made a decision. You said certain things based on the tools and experiences you had up until that date. It's okay. We keep moving forward with our new knowledge, our lessons learned. That's it. Right. What three concepts, beliefs, and habits and behaviors should others adopt? Uh, well, I think resilience is really important. You've got to have a sense of being humble about you. Okay, so again, I really love that movie, King Richard. He really taught uh, Serena and Venus to be very humble. If you watch the movie, at one point, he kicks his daughters out of the car and makes them sort of walk because they were boasting and they were, they were sort of like teasing another girl who didn't win the match. Being humble is really, really important. Being humble means that you can accept your wins gracefully without showing off or putting others down or putting yourself on a pedestal because keep in mind at any time you can fall off the pedestal as well. Yeah. Resilience is very important. How do you gather resilience? You only gather it through experience. We were not born with resilience. You gain resilience through your life experiences, losing money, becoming bankrupt, losing something that you really wanted, losing a person, losing a family member. Okay. Not getting what you want. When you keep trying for things, you build resilience. You understand what I'm saying? So resilience, staying humble, also a sense of like empathy. Empathy to me is very, very important. Uh, empathy is really important what we do in rhythm writing. It's also called soulful cycling. Empathy and understanding people. When you look around the room, understanding that people are going through different things and uh, not singling people out, you know, wh whether that be uh, because they're not as strong as someone else or not as well to do as someone else, treating everybody exactly the same, treating your staff, you know, from, from the cleaning staff uh, to your master instructor, your manager, the same. You know, they're all helping build your brand. So empathy, being humble and resilience. These are three important factors to me. Are you ready for the last question? Yeah. <laughs> if fans would want to copy your footsteps, where should they start? They should start at the very bottom. They should start at the very bottom of the service or the product that they want to bring. They need to know that brand inside out. 
everything from where the product or the service is developed, where it originated from, how it is structured. Uh, they need to work with the people. They need to understand the management side of things. They need to understand the service side of things. If it's a production chain or a channel, they need to go to the factory where it's being built and oversee the product management, the line management of that product. They need to understand absolutely everything. These days, guess what? Unfortunately, it's not enough to just have a degree. You've got to actually have get your hands dirty in that business. You need to understand your business. You know, there is no way that I would understand that there was a demand in an area like a murder for Al-Kawanish if I did not work as a fitness instructor prior to that and have those clients come to me and tell me what they're looking for, what they want. I studied that market. You know, I, uh, I got my hands on actual uh, literature, actual research to study the market, to study the population, the spending power, these all sort of things. Like it's not enough to have a degree. You need to get in there. You need to work as an employee in that field and you need to understand it. You need to understand your competitors. You need to go and explore your competitors. You need to ask questions. I would say that you need to be in that field for a couple of years before you even attempt to open that business if you want your business to succeed with less mistakes. <laughs> with less mistakes, yeah. All right, Ivana, thank you for being here and for your answers. It was a pleasure listening to you. Thank you, Vader. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Thank you for your time. <laughs> this is the end of the podcast. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for more.